In today's Fantasy Fiction Friday episode, I'm coming at you with Chapter 20 of The Dragon Collector, Book 1 of the Dragonstalker Bloodline Saga. Before I wrote this chapter, I created a historical timeline of all the kings, and some queens, of Xandador. The timeline has their names, what bloodline they're from, and how long they reigned as king or queen. I'll link the timeline on the blog for you if you want to see it for yourself. Another thing I had to know before writing this chapter was the history behind the bloodlines themselves. How did the factions develop? What is the underlying mission of each faction? The questions Javen asks in this chapter are questions I asked myself while building my world. Once again, I apologize for the lack of action in this chapter. As I was reading back through this, I chastised myself for the way I wrote the story. I'm telling myself to just get to the action already! But this was my first fantasy novel, and I got better about showing rather than telling as the story moves along and in the two books that follow. Speaking of those two books, The Dragon Hunter and The Dragon Protector, they're going on Cyber Monday sale starting tomorrow, November 26th through next Friday, December 2nd. The sale is a Kindle countdown deal on Amazon, so that means you'll be able to get the best price for the first few days, and then the price increases by a buck every few days until the sale ends on December 2nd. The Dragon Collector isn't on sale, but since the starting price is already at 99 cents, I didn't reduce that price. Now with this Cyber Monday sale, you can get all three ebooks for less than three bucks, and that deal will last through the end of the day on Monday, November 28th. Then the price increases for books two and three on Tuesday. All right, enough chit chat. Let's get to chapter 20. It's Fantasy Fiction Friday. That means it's time for an escape break with author DK Drake. This is the part of the show where your host, author DK Drake, reads you a snippet of one of her stories. So if you're intrigued by a world where dragons exist and people live for hundreds of years, stay tuned for a show designed for sheer entertainment purposes. Still here? Fantastic. Prepare for adventure, for you are now entering the land of Xandador. Chapter 20. Bloodlines. Ravier turned back to the chalkboard and wrote as he talked. In the beginning... The people in Xandador lived by a simple code of conduct that included five things to do and five things not to do. The positives? Honor God, love and respect each other, live with integrity, work for what you own and eat, help those in need. The negatives? Do not steal, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not build in the dragon territories, do not hunt in the dragon territories. Good rules, but from what I understand about the guy who is king now, he doesn't follow those rules. No, he doesn't. You see, when Javen suddenly died in the year 599 from a spider bite, the people disagreed about who should take his place as leader and how humans should interact with the dragons. What do you mean, how humans should interact with the dragons? Four factions developed. Collectors, protectors, hunters, and destroyers. Each descended from one of Japheth's seven sons. Seven sons? Four factions? That math seems a little off. Not if you know that the descendants of three of the sons, Magog, Tubal, and Meshach wanted nothing to do with the conflict. Magog's sons were adventure seekers, built ships, and sailed off into the ocean. To this day, no one knows what became of them. Tubal's sons developed a genetic tendency toward dwarfism. They were tired of being overlooked because of their height and moved north to set up their own secluded community in the thickets of Gibbet. Dwarves? Oh, like that dude we met who now has my watch? Exactly. Not many dwarves live in Xandador, but some like to make their home in this land. What about the third group? They were descendants of Meshach and were the intellectuals of the bunch. They had a peculiar genetic feature as well. Let me guess. Giants? No. Albinos. Not as neat as giants, but okay. They moved to the regions of Exius and made their homes in the underground caves. I don't think I'll be visiting them. No one does. 
Anyway, the collectors you're familiar with. They were direct descendants of Javen and tend to have tan skin and dark or red hair like us. They're also the only ones with the ability to communicate telepathically with the dragons. They believed man should work with the dragons and that the dragons were able to thrive when given a purpose. To serve and protect man. Riding dragons and thus gaining their loyalty gave the dragons that purpose without the dragons having to lose their free will. Their free will? If a collector asks one of his dragons to do something the dragon does not agree with, the dragon has the right and ability to refuse. Oh, okay. Javen nodded. What about the protectors? What did they believe? The protectors. Brown-skinned peoples with black hair, brown or red hair, were direct descendants of Javis' youngest son, Tyrus. They thought dragons should be free and have no one to look after except themselves. They believed man should protect the dragons, especially when they were most vulnerable during shedding seasons, not the other way around. These were the people who worked with the portal, right? Yes. They were the only ones with the knowledge to activate the portal and became responsible for transporting dragon eggs to Earth, then bringing the hatched dragon back to Xanderdor. Alright, collectors can talk to dragons, and protectors can work the portal. What's unique about the hunters? The hunters, dark-skinned peoples, had an insatiable thirst for power and control. They were direct descendants of Japheth's oldest son, Gomer, and discovered that a dragon would become subservient to anyone who got off the tip of its tail. They believed that dragons were to be used not be useful. Their goal was to enslave all dragons and use those dragons as tools to gain power over man. Is there any way to free a dragon if its tail has been chopped off? Only if its master dies. But with no one to take orders from, the dragon usually dies soon after its master. Oh, that's sad. The destroyers, who grew to be unusually tall, were worse. They were the direct descendants of Japheth's third son, Madai. They hated dragons, wanted nothing to do with dragon scales, and wanted to wipe out all dragons by beheading them. Why? They built one of their first villages on Dawnstalker territory, something Javen strictly forbade. The Dawnstalkers showed their disapproval for the encroachment by attacking the village and killing the inhabitants. Guess those people should have listened to Javen. They should have. Ravier put the chalk down, wiped his hands, and leaned on the podium. Since these four factions, or bloodlines, couldn't agree how to govern, they chose to fight it out. Whoever collected, protected, hunted, or destroyed four dragons first would assume the throne for 100 years. Then, in the last year of the king's reign, another dragon battle would ensue to determine who would rule for the next 100 years. What if no one won? Then the current king would keep the throne for the next century. So that's how the guy who is king now has kept the throne for 500 years. Right. After Omri's first century, a handful of participants from the varying bloodlines entered the competition. He had them and their families all killed and threatened anyone with death who dared challenge him again. And this is the guy you want me going up against? He's gonna kill me the instant he learns about me! Ravier looked Javen in the eye. I won't let that happen. Javen gulped. For the first time, he felt like his grandfather just might care about him. Now, Ravier cleared his throat and continued. When Adin, a collector, won the first battle, the collectors remained in Xandador. Where did the losers go? The destroyers moved north to Tirza. The hunters moved southeast to Varzak, and the protectors moved southwest to Kekrik. But my mom's a protector, and she said she grew up in a city in Xandador. Some people from all the bloodlines remained in the land and stayed in the cities they had already established. Most of them, however, were bitter and wanted to leave the land. Still, they would send representatives back to Xandador every 100 years for the Battle of the Throne. If someone other than a Collector won, did the Collectors have to leave the land? No. A wave of people from the winning bloodline would take over the capital and surrounding cities. But for the most part, homelands became pretty entrenched. Why didn't they set up their own countries with their own kings? The hunters tried that. They kept to themselves at first, but soon realized they needed the food resources Xandador provided. Farmland is scarce in Varzak, so they had to maintain ties with Xandador and submit to the rule of the king. Were most of the king's collectors? For the first 300 years of the competition, yes. Then a protector won the throne in 900 and ruled from 901 to 1000. Hold on, how can a protector win? What do you mean? 
A collector has to ride four dragons, right? Yes. Hunters chop off their tails and destroyers chop off their heads. Correct. So what do protectors do? A protector brands a dragon as protected by plucking the scale between its eyes. Say what? Javen tried to imagine ripping a scale from Opni's face and shuddered at the idea. How do they manage to do that without being eaten or drowned in acid like I almost was yesterday? They don't deal with full-grown dragons. Remember, the protectors are the ones who take the eggs to Earth, have them hatch, then return the baby dragon to Xandador. It takes about a month for a dragon to fully develop its scales. If the protector is able to bond with the dragon and pluck its scale as soon as it develops, that dragon becomes the protector's responsibility. It can still be hunted, collected, or destroyed. So it's the protector's job to, well, protect it and allow it to remain free in its own habitat. But to this day, no hunter, destroyer, or collector has ever attempted to win a protected dragon, knowing that dragon's loyalty lies with the protector. Got it. All right, the first protector king, however, was not a very wise man. Ravier pulled up a chair and sat down in front of Javen. Up until this point, the portal was activated once a year. Only one protector with one dragon egg was allowed to go through, so the dragon population only grew at one per year, except in a battle year. What happened in a battle year? Eight eggs. Two of each stalker were allowed to hatch, but this king, Yinsor, ordered one egg a week through the portal to hatch. That's a lot of dragons to hatch over the span of a hundred years. Exactly. There were too many dragons and not enough collectors to ride them, hunters to enslave them, or destroyers to kill them. So when the competition for food within the stalker territories became too fierce, the dragons broke the borders and started making meals of humans. The people were getting annihilated and looked to the destroyers for help. That's when a destroyer, Corendum, rose to power next. He didn't stop with beheading his four dragons. He killed hundreds on his own and built the first destroyer army. His entire reign was dedicated to eradicating the dragons, and he blocked access to the portal to ensure no new dragons would hatch. Meanwhile, the hunters were determined to prove that their way, enslaving the dragons, was the right way to deal with the dragon population. They trained a band of hunters during Corendum's rule, and one of them, Ompar, finally won the throne in 1100. Ompar used his dragons to hunt the other collectors, hunters, protectors, and destroyers. Nevertheless, Jeff, a collector, won the throne in 1200. He ruled for 200 years, restoring order and prosperity to the land following the devastating rules of the previous three kings. Then a hunter, followed by three protectors, each ruled for a hundred years. The protectors reopened the portal, but permitted no more than four dragons a year, one of each stalker type, to hatch. The dragon population was growing again, but not at the alarming rate it was under the first protector king. The Nostorias probably didn't like that much. No, they didn't. They came close to gaining control of the throne next, but a collector, Benjamin, beat them to it. He ruled from 1801 to 1900. Then the millennium of destroyer domination began. That doesn't sound good. Javen leaned forward. His fatigue had faded, and he wanted to know more. If you enjoyed today's Escape Break episode, but don't want to wait to find out what happens next, click on over to authordkdrake.com. There you can become a DK Drake insider, secure your free starter library, and access all the books from the Dragonstalker Bloodline saga that are available for sale on Amazon. In the meantime, I dare you not to dream of dragons tonight.